Well, welcome to another Refresh Monday. Uh, if you didn't catch last Refresh Mondays, it was a special edition as we did a praise report of all that God is doing um, or some of what God is doing in and through the ministry of Refresh Ministries. Well, today we pick back up in Mark chapter 11. And one thing I want to uh, remind us is from chapters 11 on, Mark devotes one third of his entire book to the last week of Jesus' life. And Jesus was under attack. And yet, this passage shows us that Jesus' authority remains intact. As Christ makes his way towards uh, Jerusalem for the final time, we learn that re the religious leaders devoted their energy to destroying the very Son of God. Now, this isn't new. And even back in chapter 3 and verse 6, Mark writes that they came together to discuss how to destroy Jesus. And in our chapter in verse 18 it says they were seeking a way to destroy him now mark isn't writing this for us to feel sorry for jesus you see jesus was in complete control from the beginning this has been his plan for example first peter 1 verse 19 says but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. As King Jesus comes, he came to live the life we couldn't live and bear the judgment of God that we deserve. The gospel writer describes Jesus in, in these moments as having full authority even in his death. John chapter 10 verse 18, No one takes my life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. Today, what we're going to learn is what it means for Jesus to have supreme authority. Now, this is an essential element for discipleship. If we surrender to Jesus' authority in our personal lives and in our church, it'll change the way we view everything from sex, money, to power. Our passage uses the word authority four times, twice in verse 28, once in 29, and again in 33. Mark is communicating to us that authority is the central theme in this little passage. The authority of Jesus is actually a major theme in the entire Bible. Even the Old Testament, it says about the promised Messiah in Daniel chapter 7 this, and to him it was given dominion, glory, and kingdom that all the peoples, all the nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. But before we get carried away in a biblical tour, right here in the book of Mark, 
The theme of authority is vast. For example, in Mark chapter 1, verse 22, we see Jesus in his authority with his teaching. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught with one who had authority, not as the scribes. Mark chapter 1, verse 22. Jesus' authority in salvation. Mark chapter 2, verse 10. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. We see not only in his teaching and in his salvation, but even in his delegation of authority to the disciples. Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 says this, And he, that is Jesus, appointed the twelve so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So now that we've seen the broader context of the story of Scripture, from Mark's perspective, Mark's um, account of the Lord Jesus, now we're going to take a look at our actual section. Mark chapter 11, verse 27 says this, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? So the question we have to ask is, why are these people so angry? Well, some historical context, the chief priests and scribes made up a group called the Sanhedrin. Now, the Roman government gave the, this group a limited authority to run all religious activities for the Jews. Passover time was the event of all events. That's when the Sanhedrin could, could get together and the, the possibilities economically was huge and they could not mess it up. You see, Jerusalem has had an estimated population of 40,000 people. However, at Passover time, that would spike six times more. So the potential economically for Jerusalem was so huge that these leaders could not screw it up. Now, Jesus is not schooled in their theology, and yet he comes in the temple and he starts running the show. I love back in verse 16. It says this, And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Then he commands the attention of everyone by accusing those who are in charge of the temple of being a bunch of thieves and hiding in dens. Why would Jesus be so mad? Was he overreacting? Well, we have to remember the temple was designed to reflect and point people heavenward. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 says, It was a pattern and a shadow of heavenly things. So the Sanhedrin were responsible for representing the God of heaven. So when the people from all the other nations went to see the temple... God's house, they were to see God, and it was to be a, a house of prayer for all the nations. But instead, what do we see? That they're selling and they're representing God in an inadequate way. But notice what our text says in verse 28. 
it says, but what authority do you do these things or by, and who gave you this authority? Now we have already heard the answer to this question. Mark tells us the answer in the very first book of the, the uh, first verse of the gospel. Jesus is the promised one, the Messiah, the Son of God. But Jesus isn't interested in winning a debate. His goal is to expose their sin and point them to the glorious gospel. So what Jesus does is something absolutely brilliant. He offers a counter question. Let me read it. Mark chapter 11, verse 29. And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then do you not believe him? But shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people. For they all heard that John was really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said, Neither will I tell you what authority. I do these things. So essentially, Jesus says, okay, you have two questions for me. I will make it even easier for you. Just answer this one question and I'll answer your two. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? This question, this one question exposes their sin and points them to the gospel. Notice their discussion in verse 31 to 33. The truth, unfortunately, is irrelevant. If we say we believe his message, if we say yes, then we're admitting that John the Baptist was right. If we say no, the people will hate us. So let's go through these two options. First option, they can say yes, but they'll have to believe. Jesus shows that, that God is at work revealing himself to the world. And here is the heartbreaking truth. God doesn't reveal himself in Jerusalem. He doesn't reveal himself even in the temple. But Mark records in chapter 1 that he reveals himself in the wilderness of Judea as John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus. And what does God say after 400 years of silence? He does not direct them to the holy city. He does not direct them to the temple. He doesn't even direct them to the Sanhedrin. No, God directs the people to his son and says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus poses this question to the Sanhedrin about John the Baptist, he is revealing himself to them. He is showing them God is at work and it is no longer in the temple, but in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true and greater temple who will connect people to heaven. Second option is they can say, yes, John the Baptist was, was uh, not from God. They, he was evil. But the problem with that answer is the Sanhedrin knew that the people loved John. You see, these religious leaders feared the very people that they were to have authority over. Jesus exposes the Sanhedrin's lack of authority. 
They were people pleasers who needed to maintain their false illusion of authority. And so how does this apply for you and I today? Well, I just want to ask a few simple questions. Does Jesus have supreme authority in your life? Have you trusted your life to Jesus? Mark chapter 2 verse 10 says the Son of Man has authority to forgive your sins. He said that then and he says it now today. Please don't be like these religious leaders. Don't live for people's approval. Just like the religious leaders, they live for people's approval. And ultimately, all that got them was the judgment of God. John chapter 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Does your actions reflect Jesus' authority over your life? Matthew 28 says, and Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Third question. What directs each decision you make in life? Listen to these words from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. God bless and have a wonderful week.